Good morning. Our scripture reading is first from Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. And from Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks. Hello, Ebenezer. It is great to be with you today. My name is Ginger Harrington, and I have to tell you that joining you today feels like coming home. Ebenezer was our church home from 2002 to 2007, right in the thick of our parenting years, and we loved our time here. We moved in 2007 to Okinawa, Japan, courtesy of the United States Marine Corps, and spent four wonderful years there. In 2011, we moved back to Virginia, but we moved farther north, and we miss attending church with you. You guys were completely a church family for us. So I wanted to give you just a little quick update on the Harrington family. My husband, Mark, retired from the Marine Corps in 2013 and works with the Border Patrol in D.C. Our son just graduated from the University of Louisville as a speech pathologist and is now gainfully employed. Yes! (laughs) Right? And our daughter, one of our daughters, has recently returned from two and a half years working in Australia with Youth with the Mission as a missionary. And she is looking forward to continuing her study in the fall. And then our other daughter is now a nursing student. So they are um, launched out of the house. And it's a different perspective on parenting when you have your kids out of the house. But it is a joy and a privilege to talk to you today about something and people who are so dear to our hearts, and that is the fathers in our lives. I want to say happy Father's Day. Fellas, we are here to celebrate you today. And Alan did a great job of welcoming that and having you guys stand up. But I personally want to say happy Father's Day. Thank you. For all that you're doing in your homes, in your communities, in the church, and on the job. Because a father's heart isn't only in play at home. It's in all that you do. And we applaud that and affirm that today. There's something very, very special about a father. After all, we got all to have one, right? (laughs) But there's something very powerful and impactful about fathers that is a right and a privilege and a responsibility given by God, and that is to leave a godly legacy to your family and the generations to follow. And sometimes that can feel, I think, like the weight of the world. Parenting is not an easy job. And so oftentimes it is a thankless job. In fact, Billy Graham has been known to say that... Being a father is one of the most unnoticed and unsung things 
But fathers are also such a great asset to our society. And we can clearly see that there are issues in our society that stem from a lack of fathers in the home. The 2012 Census Bureau says that there are over 24 million American children growing up in homes without a dad. And those kids are at risk for a lot of issues and problems. Dads, you make a powerful difference. And we know as believers in Christ that God has called us to more than just being there. But there is something important to be said for being present at home, both physically, emotionally, relationally, and spiritually. And we applaud you for that today. Thank you. You mean the world to us. Billy Graham also said that a father is his son's first hero and his daughter's first love. And in many ways, my dad was my first love when I was growing up in Knoxville, Tennessee. My father, Albert Biggs, was a man who taught me the importance of faith. And he left me a legacy of faith in God. And he wasn't a sermon giver. He, was, he wasn't a preacher. He didn't talk the talk a ton. He walked it. And the power of his example left an indelible imprint on my heart. And that might sound all fancy, you know, but it was actually really simple. Simple things like kneeling down at the side of the bed at the end of the day, saying prayers with my dad. I remember that. It's one of my earlier memories with my dad. I can remember kneeling in my hands on the bed and folded in prayer, and I could look and see my dad's hands so big compared to mine. He felt so big and so strong as we said those prayers. Back in that day, I called them night-night prayers, and they went something like this. Y'all, this is rocket science. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And then I would continue with the litany of childhood. Dear God, please bless mommy and daddy. Such a simple thing, but it was powerful. And I would go on and on and on and get down to like the dog, you know. And those simple bedtime prayers, that was a ritual of faith that my father's presence made a difference. And dads, when you pray with your kids, you make a difference. And you don't have to be Billy Graham in terms of how you, how well you pray or how spiritual you are when you pray. Just the fact that you are building that habit teaches your kids a legacy of faith. My dad was one of the first people in my life who demonstrated one of our scripture verses today, which is Matthew 6.33. He lived with his life showing me the importance of seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And my dad trusted God to provide the things for us. And those simple acts of praying at bedtime were simple acts of faith, but he was teaching us to seek God first, that God is a priority in life, in his life, and he taught that to us. My dad also demonstrated that it's important to seek the kingdom of God. And he showed us that at home by doing exactly what you're doing right now. 
attending church. And in today's world, that's so very, very important for us to meet together as the family of God. And my father went to church with us, and that was very important. As an adult, it was a decision that I made for myself to attend church with our family. And now they are making their decisions to attend church with their, well, they don't have families, but um, they are making those decisions as well. But my dad also, not just at home, but he also built the kingdom of God in his vocation. And he wasn't a pastor. He was a doctor and he was a hospital administrator. And I tell you that today, not to brag on my dad, although he's certainly worthy of that. But I tell you that to share his heart because he was a powerful man of influence. But he was just as likely to know the names of the scrub nurses and the custodial staff in the hospital as he was his fellow administrators. And his patients knew that Dr. Biggs truly loved and valued them. He had one patient who every year brought this um, Appalachian apple stack cake to Dr. Biggs long, long after he treated her. But he built a relationship with people and people knew that he was building them up and that he was doing what he could to make the world a better place. And dads, that's something that you're doing. You're doing it in your home. Sometimes we wives like to call it a honey-do list, you know, but you are making your home a better place, your family a better place. You're making on the job, you're giving your best and making the world a better place. And here in the church, your presence is important and powerful as well. So my dad not only showed me the importance of seeking the kingdom of God, but he also showed me the value of seeking God's righteousness. And it showed in his character. He was a generous man. He was kind. He was a thoughtful listener. And he had a deep spirit. And I valued that. And in fact, my dad had a friend named Brother Blue. Now you have to imagine that this is, you know, a hospital administrator. And his friend's name is Brother Blue. And Brother Blue was a homeless man in Knoxville, Tennessee. And he and my dad were friends. And my dad was very, very passionate about helping in the homeless community. And being friends with these people who oftentimes felt overlooked and unseen by society. And my dad cared for them. That was a powerful testimony to me. It wasn't something he, that he said, oh, you should do this too. But it, his what he did and how he lived, he demonstrated seeking first the kingdom of God and God's righteousness. And that has left a mark on me. I am a better person for it. I had another dad in my life. I had a spiritual father. And after I got married to my husband, Mark, we were in Washington State. He was in the military and we were in, he was doing the Prowler rag, learning to be a, an ECMO in the Prowlers. And Dick and Marge Kimball entered our life it, in God's perfect timing. Don't you love how God has perfect timing for people of influence that are going to make an impact on you? They come at the right time. And they adopted us into their home. They befriended us. And we were just, we'd been married two years, 
long enough to realize marriage really isn't all that easy. And we were pregnant with our first child. And so they walked with us through that pregnancy. And Dick had a heart for teaching us the value of faith. And in fact, one Tuesday night, I can remember him saying, do you know what it means to trust God? And I thought, "Mm, yeah, yeah, I know what it means to trust God. You know, like, is this a trick question? And he kind of looked me in the eye and he said, do you really know what it means to trust God? Because here's what he was getting at. At that season of my life, I knew about trusting God. And I was trying to trust God, but I still had a lot of growing to do. And I still had a lot of learning to do. And I was just entering into the season of life where I was becoming a parent. And so was my husband. And so Dick, he said, you know, trusting God has everything to do with having confidence in God. And that really resonated with my husband because as a young military officer at the beginning of his career, he really wanted to have that confidence in God, that God had his back. That's a powerful picture of trust, to have confidence in someone. And for me, he said... And trusting God is feeling secure in the Lord. And I don't think at that time that Dick understood that I would actually end up having some fairly significant battles with anxiety at periods of my life. But that understanding trust as more than just a word of putting bones and flesh on it with specific Understanding, He taught us how to study God's word and then began to live it out. And in fact, sometimes, you know how sometimes in, in your married life you, you disagree with one another? And um, I would, you know, we would talk to them or maybe there would be a problem at work or that kind of thing. And we would seek counsel because that's what good Christians do, right? You seek godly counsel. And we would say, ask Dick and Marge about these things. And either one of them would have the same answer. They would say, are you trusting God in this situation? I'm like, um, yeah. And then he would say, what does God's word say about it? And, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking, come on, that's why I asked you. I, I wanted you to give me the answer. But all all the time when we would come with a question, he would say, what does God's word say about it? And he taught us to go find the answers that every problem that we face in this life has a solution in the Lord. And we find those solutions when we open up his word and start looking at it and applying it to our lives, not in theory, but in reality. And so Dick taught us that. And then he would say, and so now that you know that, what are you going to do about it? And I'm like, oh, (laughs) do we have to actually do it now? And so they taught us how to walk by faith. And Dick, his heart, our other scripture today, his His heart really beat this, and he showed this to us, and he gave us the tools, the spiritual tools, to be able to understand the power of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, which says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. And so, Dick, I told you about him explaining and and putting... um, Detail in what it means to trust God, but to trust him how to trust with all my heart. And I realized that so oftentimes I was kind of giving God kind of checkmark faith. 
Like, yes, I've trusted him, but at the same time, I'm still striving in my flesh to make this work or to I'm still feeling struggling with my emotions to feel anxious or angry or upset. And but there are other parts of this verse he taught us about do not lean on your own understanding. And in that statement, what's not said is so very, very important. If you're not leaning on your own understanding, you're leaning on something else. And that's that seeking God, that seeking God peace from our first scripture. I want you to think about, you know, leaning. We oftentimes don't talk about leaning as a real spiritual word, but it actually is. And it's a very practical word, particularly when you're tired. Have you ever been tired and you just kind of lean your back up against the wall or lean your back against the sofa just to rest a little bit? God is the one that we need to lean on when we're tired, when we need that strength and energy. And dads, I don't, being a dad is a tiring job sometimes, right? Also, when we need stability. If I were to trip up here, which Lord willing, I will not do in front of you. But if I were, I would instinctively grab hold of this podium and, and try to balance myself on it. And it's really not all that sturdy. And so if I lean on something that's not sturdy, it's going to fall over. And so oftentimes when we lean on our own understanding, we're leaning our problems and our hopes and our desires on something that's not stable, something that can't support the weight of responsibility of being a dad and having a family. But when we lean on the Lord and his truth and his righteousness, we receive what we need to be stable because he is stable and he is strong. And then in all your ways, acknowledge him. Hmm. Acknowledging is not something that we talk about a whole lot, right? I mean, you probably have not had a conversation at work about, hey, how you doing? Are you acknowledging God in all your ways today? And um, we just don't really talk about that. I love it when um, guys have accountability groups and they do ask those questions, and that's very important. But just in general conversation, we don't really talk about acknowledging God. So let's take just a moment and think about what does that mean? Have you ever been in a crowded room and you walk in and you see people that you know and no one speaks to you? How does that feel? It makes you feel invisible, right? As if your presence doesn't matter. And how oftentimes have we done that with God? He's present, but we haven't acknowledged him. We haven't welcomed him into our day or into our situation. And... We're not benefiting from his presence like we do when we acknowledge him. When we acknowledge God, we bring him into what we're dealing with in the moment. We are inviting his presence. And there's another level of acknowledging that is so practically important. And that is we're acknowledging that God is stronger than we are. That he has answers that we don't have. And that he's worthy of our time and attention. And that living in his ways is worthy 
It's so important to acknowledge God. And as parents, you know, I'm a mom and I co-parent with my husband. As I watch him be a dad, there's so many things in our lives with our children that we don't have the answers to. Maybe you have some things happening in your home that you don't have the answers to either. Parenting has some hard moments and our kids don't come with instruction manuals. And so oftentimes when we figure out what works for one child, it doesn't work for the next. Have you noticed that? Well, you know what? That is by design so that we don't get our plan together and work our plan, lean on our own understanding, but that we have to keep seeking God first. And so oftentimes I have to admit to you, God's not my first solution. So oftentimes it's a, if all else plan. If all else fails, then pray kind of thing. But how much more blessed we are when we seek God first and trust him fully. And so as parents, now it's our turn. These are parts of the legacy that godly men have left in my life, both my biological father and a spiritual father. And, you know, not every man is going to be a biological dad. But in the family of God Every man can and should be a spiritual dad. Teaching and demonstrating the ways of faith to the next generation, whether they're your own kids or someone else's kids. Dads, you make a profound difference in the family and in the church. And we are deeply grateful for you. So being a biological father, some men will do that. All of all of the men in the church can be spiritual fathers. But for my husband and I, and for many of you whose children are still in the home, this is your time to build that legacy. And the choices that we make are important. And we can choose to seek God first. We can choose to trust him fully. We can choose to not lean on on our own understanding, but to seek and apply God's word. We can trust him because here is the legacy maker. He will make your paths straight. And we need to trust God to do that. So oftentimes we run into situations with our families that seem beyond our ability to fix. Those are the times when we need to trust God. Those are the times when instead of looking at today and thinking it's always going to be that way. Looking at God and depending on his ways and realizing today is not the end of the story and whatever issue we're facing as parents. And it's been my privilege to work alongside my husband. I've watched him grow in faith. I've watched him teach our children the importance of faith. I've watched him struggle at times just as I have. Did he do it all perfectly? No. And neither do I. And neither did my dad. And neither did Dick Kimball. But the legacy moves forward because God is faithful, not because we do it perfectly. And I believe that there is a dad here today that needs to understand that. That God is the one who will work through you. Through the efforts that you make to trust him opens the door for the Holy Spirit to do the things that you cannot do. And that includes reaching the heart of your children. Because, friends, when we are faithful to trust God with all of our hearts, 
to lean on his understanding and to acknowledge him in all our ways. His promise is profound and sure. He will make our paths straight. And that includes making a path straight to the next generation's heart. And so our kids are in our 20s now. And they survived the teenage years. And they're good kids. God blessed us. I'm sure that he probably realized he couldn't trust me with a child that <laughs> was going to have profound struggles. But we do. We are very grateful for what God's done in our children's lives. But I have the opportunity to watch eternity happening in my home. And you do too. And so I hope that our conversation today will open your eyes to the power of living eternal time today in the choices that you make to trust God and to teach your children to trust God. And so today, what does it look like in my family with our kids in their 20s? Well, in a world where the young people, the millennials, are leaving the church, we have a young man who has found a church on his own and is attending. Mom didn't say you should do that. God did that. We have a daughter in a day when the world says you can be or do anything you want to do. We have a daughter who is seeking the Lord with all her heart as to what she should do, what God wants her to do. And that led her to the mission field for a couple of years. In a day when sexuality is a moral abyss for our young people, one of our daughters has made hard decisions about her dating relationships. When matters of faith provided differences, she discontinued it. Those are not things that mom or dad said you should do with the lecture and a waggy finger. Those are things we prayed for all the way through. Those are things our parents prayed for. That is the legacy-making God at work. It's his faithfulness, not because we did it perfectly. And so when you struggle, trust God to be that legacy maker in your life and just make those everyday choices to keep trusting and keep passing the baton of faith to the next generation. Because, Dad, you make a difference. And we celebrate that. We lift you up. And as the family of God, I want to challenge you to pray for the dads in your life. Your father, the father that you parent alongside, the father that lives next door, the father on the pew next to you here in the church. Pray diligently for fathers. It's not an easy job. And they need us supporting them and encouraging them, acknowledging their effort and applauding their successes. Our guys need that. And so oftentimes we overlook to do that. So let's make sure that we're praying for the fathers in our lives. And together as the family of God, let us build homes where our dads are leading and saying, as for me and for my household, this family that I love and protect, we will serve the Lord. Thank you for having me with you today. Would you close in prayer with me? Dear God, we admit that so oftentimes parenting is a challenge. And we praise you for our children, both the children that might be in our homes and the children that are in our church family. 
And we ask that you would empower the men in our church to be godly fathers, to be legacy builders as you work through their faith. Strengthen them, Lord, on the days when they're weary. Strengthen them on the days when they may face discouragement. Give them your courage. Father, enable them to walk with joy and confidence, trusting in you. And I pray that you would multiply every effort that they make on their family's behalf to build faith in the next generation because we so desperately need and value men of faith in our homes. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.